Good morning, everybody. Hello, everybody online, too. Bless the Lord. You look so good out there. Glory to God. You survived the storms last night. Oh, that was not pleasant. Wow, glory to God. I don't want to see that for too often. Amen. Well, uh, last, um, this is the last sermon we have in our parable series that the, we've been experiencing. And I am in the, asked to do a uh, sharing today entitled Reflections on the Parables. So how about if we pray? Oh, Father God, we just welcome Holy Spirit today as our teacher uh, to enlighten our hearts from your word that we would leave here, Father God, with a new direction uh, that we would have learned, Father, of Jesus' words in the parables and that it would affect us in a great way. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've come to an end here on this brief series on the parables. So I don't want to ask you what you've learned, but perhaps a better would be, um, what did you catch? Uh, things are caught in the Spirit. And God's teaching anointing uh, isn't as much what we've learned as much as what we're caught, that we walk away with that becomes part of us in the days ahead, how we pray, how we get to know the Lord. Um, these are far more important questions. What did I pick up? Um, did it change me? These are things we really have to examine ourselves on. Each pastor brought something different and unique based on their own giftings on this topic. And um, so there's something from each and one of these pastor's presentations that we can draw light from. <coughs> Excuse me. So our comments <clears throat> here in parables are not meant to be the final word on it. Uh, you and I will both go back to the Word of God, hopefully over the years, and read the parables again somewhere, and look at the words of Jesus. So uh, somewhere in our Christian walk. So as we go back to it, I wanted to briefly today, before I mention what I want to say, uh, is to look at, um, well, it's on your, uh, fill in the blank here, uh, on your personal future readings of the parables, there's four ways that we can interpret parables that we should always keep in mind here. And the first one is, what is the historical context? Uh, there's a lot that Jesus says in the first century that applies to a Middle Eastern uh, mindset. And the people of his day understood what he was talking about in the examples he used. I didn't live in the first century. A lot of this would have normally go over my head. It's an agrarian culture. I don't do agriculture. Uh, it's uh, a culture full of livestock. I don't do sheep. Uh, so I know very little about them. In the natural. Although when I first got married in Lakewood, we lived on a rural road where across the street from us were sheep. It was kind of cool. Every morning we woke up to hearing sheep. It was kind of different, you know. I feel like I'm in Israel. This isn't bad. <coughs> um, then also the commerce of his day was so different that we don't do that kind of commerce today. So everything's very different from that first century culture. And it's a Jewish culture. Jesus is talking to an Aramaic culture, a Jewish culture that I'm not going to relate to very well. So we need to realize when we're reading the parables, there is an historical setting that's foreign to me, that's uh, alien to me, that I, I'm not going to really understand well. So um, that's why when we read these uh, parables, we need to take what is the historical setting, the context, really into a mind when we're looking at this. So. Uh, if you're like me, you don't know about that. So there's many commentary books you can buy about the culture of Jesus' day that helps us understand this. 
brings us light on what he said. In fact, I put together a little handout that they're going to post online, I guess in a few days, you'll be able to get it. When you go into the sermons on the church website, you can download that handout, uh, which gives you suggestions of books you might want to pick up in the future if you want to learn more about the historical setting of the parables. I know one of them I mentioned was uh, Dr. Bartley's commentaries. Uh, he has the first six volumes on the Gospels, real easy reading, and he brings a lot of the culture of Jesus' day uh, about the parables to get them understanding a little better. It's a very good series, it's been around for years. Who here is old enough to remember uh, 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 Bishop Fulton Sheen? Who's old enough? Thank you, I'm not alone. Yeah. He was a Roman Catholic bishop who was on television in the early 60s, which was groundbreaking that, that he would teach the Word of God. But he used a Barclay commentary. He had this little book with him all the time, and people think this is his Roman Catholic prayer book. It was a Barclay Protestant uh, commentary that he would teach out of. Very controversial among Catholics in those days. And because Barclay was very good, very easy to understand, and Fulton Sheen loved it. So he used it as a constant one uh, that he taught with. So anyways, Barclay's a good one to pick up. Uh, it's good to read uh, from other people what they wrote, <coughs> excuse me, about um, <coughs> the context of what you're reading, which is obviously not a 20th century context. So historical is very important here. The second one we have here when we interpret the parables is what are the main points? This is really important. We got to get the main points of what's being said. Usually over the centuries when churches have taught on and studied parables, this is the standard they used. What were the main points that Jesus spoke? Um, now, in our Bible school, uh, we just got done with that. Uh, Sal uh, Russo did a very fine job. Uh, he teaches New Testament here for us. And he just taught in the parables, just completed that. So you got to wait to hear that three years from now when he does it again. Uh, if he hasn't moved and gone to Florida and retired, but now nah, he, he's going to stay around. He did a really good job, and uh, it's really a, was a, a treat to have him do that. So um, he pointed out that's one of the main things. What are the main points of this parable? Now, if anyone's ever studied journalism in college, they teach you about the uh, question wheel. Who, what, where, when, how? Never why. Just to gather information. Who, what, where, when, how? Whenever you're talking to someone and you're trying to gather information, the wheel's going on in your head. Who, uh, what, where, when, how? Same thing when we read the parables. We want to have that who, what, where, when, how question wheel running in our heads so that we can find main points here to learn from them. So in this parable, is it about forgiveness? Is it about how I treat the Word of God? Is it about how I reflect a life of holiness? How do I treat others, etc.? We want to find the main points that we can take away from this to understand what Jesus is saying. Well, I don't want to just read it. I want to take something away from it. Anyway, the third one here on your fill in the blank here is what is this parable telling me about God? That's real important. What is it telling me about God? What am I discovering about God's nature? Uh, how is my heavenly Father being revealed to me? You know, God, Father God reveals Himself through the Word of God. If He had not made the first move to do that, I could never understand Him. It would be impossible. But He's revealed Himself to me through the Word of God. And especially in Jesus' words here in the parables, we see Jesus tells us in the New Testament that um, he, a Father is revealed in the Son. When I look at Jesus, I see the Father revealed to me. So that becomes very important to me. Jesus' words will show me the Father. Why do I want this information? So I can have a better intimacy in prayer. If I know what Father God wants, 
If I know what Father God is expecting of me, uh, Father God should not be a mystery to me. He's revealed himself in the Word of God through Jesus' words, through Jesus' parables. So that helps me far better in my prayer to get to know my Heavenly Father. Uh, lastly here, number four here in what you have is um, what decision about this revealed truth do I need to make in my life? What decisions do I need to make from reading this? That's the important one here. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is real important. Uh, this is the most important takeaway from me. Too many people, unfortunately, they'll read their Bibles. Oh, I don't like that. The road away. Oh, you expect me to do that? Well, no. That's not how I should be reading it. I should be reading it. Oh, that disagrees with how I think. I guess I have to change my thinking. That should be how I respond. In other words, it's right, I'm wrong. Or when challenged, it's right, I'm wrong. And we have to constantly be asking ourselves, what revealed truth here do I take away here? Uh, Jesus was training his disciples. I want to be a learned disciple of Jesus. So if they had to be confronted with their wrong thinking, and they had it, uh, so do I in my, my culture, in my century. So we want to find out what decisions do I have to make to make changes in my life. There's probably going to be quite a few, and, and that's normal. That is growing in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So getting answers to these four interpretive questions is a big key on how to get the most out of your uh, parables that you can get. But for me today, what I wanted to share on in reflections on the thoughts on the parables, I wanted to look on one important uh, issue that I think is a priority is that when I read the parables, and on your fill in the blank here, is that kingdom thinking is being revealed to me by Jesus. That's a big key here through Jesus' parables. Because without him telling me this, I'm not going to get it. Kingdom thinking is starting to be revealed to me. And we have to get this because as I read the whole word of God, I should be thinking, I have to be retaught. My society has taught me wrong. My society has not taught me correctly. I need to be retaught. I mean, it's a separate topic, but if you send a child to public school today from kindergarten to a, a, a senior in high school, you will graduate a socialist. He, he doesn't even know what that means, but he thinks that way. Starts at Sesame Street. Oh, no, don't say that. It starts at Sesame Street. Right? In Sesame Street, the child learns what his, they told me not to move around here, but the child uh, learns what his neighborhood is like. He relates to his neighborhood. Let me tell you what you've never seen on Sesame Street, and you never will, a child walking with his church, uh, with his child, uh, parents to church. Never have, never will. That's not in the socialist mindset. They don't attack it, they just ignore it, like it doesn't happen. And that's outrageous. So I need to have my thinking changed because I haven't been trained right. I might have wonderful parents, but I'm a product of the American society, and it didn't train me to walk with God. I need to be retrained in my thinking. And uh, therefore, one thing that Jesus brings us, and we've got to get that, is kingdom thinking, thinking about what is the kingdom of God. What I think is important usually is not important at all. What does Jesus tell me that's important? That's what I want to hold on to. Because I'm not going to get that from the world I live in. I want to know what's important and what he thinks is important. Because that's the only thing that's going to matter in eternity. Because, uh, you know, uh, the Lord's not going to examine us one day what we had in our heads. He's going to examine what we had in our hearts. 
but I'm not going to get it into my heart unless it first came into my head. That's very important we get this. So Jesus is revealing to us kingdom thinking is important. Um, a side comment here, sometimes people ask when you say the kingdom of God, uh, is there a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? Sort of there is, I think so. The kingdom of heaven usually refers to uh, Jesus' return and the millennial kingdom he's going to set up on the earth. Uh, some scholars see these as interchangeable terms, but I do think they are. there's a difference there with pursuing the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of heaven. Um, another way uh, to say the kingdom of God in, in, in the culture that we live in, because I don't live with a king, I, I live with a, 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 a government that's not parliamentary, etc., uh, that, has a, that has a monarchy. Another way to say the kingdom of God is God's government. How does God deal with us today in his government? We live in the age of grace. That's the government of God today. Jesus is revealing that. Uh, if I reject Christ as my Savior, I'm going to live in the, in the uh, age of the kingdom of the law, and I will be judged eternally for it. Jesus redeems me from the kingdom of the law that I wouldn't have to be judged in eternity for missing God. He became the judgment for me, that I would be free. Jesus did for me what I could never have done for myself. And all he ever asks me is to believe him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus never asked us to memorize scripture. Think about that. Not that's bad, it's good. He just asked that I would believe him. How about that? And so uh, he reveals to us the way we are to think as to the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus reveals how God governs here in the parables, and we need to think this way. So anyway, getting back to here to the kingdom of God and kingdom thinking, um, consider not all believers get to kingdom thinking. That's be an odd statement. Not all believers get to kingdom thinking. So on your little handout here at the bottom, did you know that we go through three conversions in our Christian experience? Our first conversion here is to Jesus being born again. That's our first conversion. We meet Christ. We're born again. We come to Jesus. We receive a new nature of righteousness that replaces and eradicates our nature of sin. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. And in the original Greek, old things have passed away means to be gone and never return again. Amazing. Once and forever gone. That's an amazing thing. Heaven is now ours for the believer. Our future is in the presence of the Lord for eternity. Right? We now live a new life this side of heaven in, uh, in light as a nature. Uh, we no longer walk in darkness Right? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you walk in darkness. You haven't seen the light yet. And so the Lord speaks to us, and we hear the voice of our Savior. Yet, too many believers stop there. That's a strange statement. Too many believers stop there. Yes, they're going to heaven, they'll know the Lord's presence, but they stop there. Because the second conversion we go to, our second conversion is to the Lord's church. How about that? We come to realize we're part of the body of Christ. We are spiritually related to other believers. You're important to me now. Hopefully, I'm important to you. 
We serve the Lord together. Jesus' head doesn't float around. It's connected to his body. We are his body. We are, and I'm a part now of that body. That means you should be important to me. That means we need to be membered together in a local body of believers. Our finances are used to further the gospel. We serve with the gifting and talents that are unique to us to bless the body of Christ. There's something bigger here than just my own salvation experience. I now have a purpose on this earth to bear fruit for the master in my generation where it matters, or I leave, a, uh, I leave a, a footprint behind that this believer was here. How about that? That's you and I. So those who don't get to this second conversion, they tend to be very self-centered people. It's just Jesus and me. I don't need church. I don't need to attend no church. And they often live a life of total fruitlessness on the earth. They are like Jesus' parable here of the servant and the talents, who buries their talent. Ooh, we don't want to do that. There's a conversion beyond knowing Christ as your Savior, and that's the conversion to the Lord's church. And not everyone gets there. It's available to them. We don't mean they're not, you know, have heaven as their future. We're not saying that. But they're missing so much in this life of what they could be as the lazy servant who buries the talent. And that's explain that to the Lord one day. Yet there's a third conversion here. Beyond the church, how about that? A conversion to the kingdom of God. This is where believers see beyond their local church and they know that they are part of the body of Christ globally. These believers pray for things and issues beyond the walls of their church. They care about what goes on in their communities and in their country and the world. Their mission oriented people as a priority their prayers are not selfish just bless us for lord and no more now they see beyond that they see that the will of god must be made manifest in the generation they live in um, notice in jesus prayer his model prayer the our father uh, that we call it he shows us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done that is a kingdom mindset Father God, may your government come and be done. When I pray that our Father, and I do daily, I change the words around because I'm adding what my understanding is. Lord, may thy kingdom come, thy will be done here in the United States of America that would shame and frustrate those that are opposed to your kingdom. That's my prayer words every day. Why? I don't want to agree with this world's thinking. I want the kingdom of God to come. And that means you and I are agents to do that. Our mouth is the agent that projects the decrees and the word of God for it to be established. Because I live here on the earth. I live on terra firma. I have a legal authority here now. If you're not here, then you're not here. But if you're here, you have a legal authority. Those that have left us and gone home and believe the Lord, they ain't got no legal authority here. They can't speak anymore. We do as long as we're here. We have a legal authority to declare the kingdom of God to come forth. I want to do that. So um, the disciples here under Jesus' prayer are being converted to the kingdom of God. Their thinking is being converted. They need it to have their thinking converted. So do we. Yep. So do we. 
I've had a lifetime of training, probably good parents, but a lifetime of training where I didn't get training in the kingdom of God. I got training in this world age. My father, great guy. My father taught me when I was a kid, don't trust anybody. Did you have one of those fathers? <laughs> don't trust anybody. Uh, that's not something you want to teach somebody. That's what he taught me. Don't trust anybody. Uh, hey, you know, uh, that's not kingdom thinking. And uh, we need to have kingdom thinking taught to us. Now, Jesus, right? After this, he sends out his disciples. Uh, in the book of Acts, they're sent out again with this mindset of declaring the kingdom of God. So those who only stop at being converted to the Lord's church and don't get their minds converted to the kingdom of God, they only care about their local church assembly, their only denomination. So a lot of them have a social club mentality. They have very little concern what's happening in, in their community and the world. Well, my church is better than your church. Well, I don't hang around with you because you don't go to my church. We're, we're in competition. They're only waiting for the rapture to take place so they can leave this world. That's not a kingdom mentality. Those who have a kingdom mentality, they want to change this world for Christ. Amen. Uh, so that becomes really important for us to remember. Uh, there's a film playing right now. I, I just saw it not too long ago. The Jesus Revolution. Who here has seen that? Great example in there. Uh, I believe that was a Baptist church in, in, in California. Uh, and of course, there were people who were church members. And these aren't bad people. They were good people. But when the smelly hippies came in, they didn't like that. Now, what they didn't show in the movie was, more than one person has told me this. You know, like in the Baptist churches, they had these pews, and they have little, little holes in the, in the wood so you can put your communion cup. When the hippies sat down, they stick their toes in the communion cup holes. <laughs> so the people there got really upset at this. Now, there's a classic example. They were upset because they were not kingdom-minded. They were church-minded. They were converted to their church, but not to the kingdom of God. Only the pastor got it. He already had a kingdom mentality. Oh, no, no, no. They must come in. The kingdom of God must go forth. But those with a church mentality didn't like that. Now, again, that doesn't make them bad people. It just means they haven't found that conversion that they should be having to the kingdom of God. And that's a very common problem. So as I had said earlier in the, here in the parables here, Jesus is revealing to us kingdom thinking. So kingdom thinking um, is always contrary to the very selfish, devilish wisdom of the society that we live in. So if I'm reading Jesus' parables and his teachings, I got to ask, am I getting this? Or do I still having my, my thinking trained by this world society that I live in? Am I having kingdom thinking change? You know, Paul tells us in Romans that um, we're going to be, we, we must be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I'm going to be trained by one of the two. Which one am I going to choose? Jesus' words or the society I live in that tells me different? Uh, so when Jesus teaches me about the kingdom of God and kingdom thinking in these parables, I must choose to be converted to the kingdom of God. It changes me. And if I have to be really honest before you today, and I don't want to be, if I have to be really honest, I was born again in the 1970s. I don't think I got converted to the kingdom of God to the early 1990s. When I first got born again, I remember people talking about praying for their nation. And I went, why? So we need to go to church. Well, I'll go to this church. I'll go to that church. I don't belong in church. I wasn't converted to the Lord's church. 
Finally, when I got there, I thought we were the only ones that ever mattered. Oh, other, I don't care what other churches don't. Don't bother me. My missions, that's nice. Missionaries go there. I'm, I'm here. I didn't have my thinking converted to the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know exactly when it happened. In the early 90s, my thinking got converted to the kingdom of God. I don't know how Walter Hilly put up with me. <laughs> he certainly had kingdom thinking or went over my head. I had to get converted. The Lord knew that. He's patient with us. Isn't that, he's, isn't that nice? He's patient with us. We're all under construction. We're all under construction. I'm sure there's people here today that maybe haven't found Christ as their Savior yet. You need to because that's the most important decision of your life. Or there's people perhaps here today who just go from church to church. They don't want really any commitment anywhere. You haven't been converted to the Lord's church yet. I'm glad you're saved, but you need to be converted to the Lord's church. And I'm sure there's others who could care less about the mission field. You haven't been converted yet to the kingdom of God. We're all in a process somewhere. I'm sure everybody here is somewhere where we're on that ladder of steps uh, on a conversion from one to another. That's normal. Uh, and yet what, one, one challenge here we have here of kingdom thinking, just to pass along in the Gospels, uh, we see here John the Baptist says of Jesus in John chapter 3, he must increase, and I, but I must decrease. That's not what the world teaches me. Climb that ladder. If you've got to step on other people, well, that's just their fault. They were too lazy. You go ahead. You push. You climb. That's not what the kingdom teaches me. King, this is a kingdom thought, that he must increase and I must decrease. The opposite of what this world age would all teach me. Also here in Mark chapter 9, which is the memory verse you have on there, about Jesus here. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and the servant of all. That is not what I'm taught in this world. That is a kingdom principle. That's kingdom thinking. To become less and become the servant of all. That's how low you will go is how high you will rise in the kingdom of God. That's kingdom thinking. I'm not, you know, we met a lot of people over the years. We asked them to help with something. You don't, they don't say it, but you can see their attitude. That's beneath me. I don't do that. Okay, well, you ain't going far in the kingdom then. It's obvious because you haven't found out how low to go yet. The Lord promotes those who go low in the kingdom because they have to be noticed. The Spirit of God notices them. The Lord knows how to notice people. He knows how to notice pure motives and people who will do anything for his namesake, no matter how low they think they're going. They do it for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you're right. That's good. Yeah, praise God. I like that. So anyway here, um, the world, you know, isn't going to teach us this, but Jesus will. He reveals us this kingdom thinking through the parables that we read. He brings us into kingdom thinking. So in considering here uh, reflections on parables today, um, I need to be reading them meditatively. Um, um, it's, it's interesting here. The parables are not meant to think for me. How about that? This isn't like memorize this word for word, do this. That's not what they're meant to do. They're not to have me think for me. Rather, they teach me and compel me to think for myself of what kingdom thinking is. And how is my life conforming to that? They cause me to think. Uh, we, you know, we're meant to draw our own deductions on how I should live now in the light of what Jesus just said. So I can't be a lazy reader of these parables. They speak to me. 
And I, I know people when they're real artsy and they look at paintings, that speaks to me. Okay, well, that's nice. But Jesus, I didn't know it talked, but that's okay. I'm not saying you need medication, no problem. Uh, but Jesus' parables, they speak to me. And I got to respond by my actions. So the truth that Jesus has, has an impact on us. And when it comes to us, it comes as a personal discovery to us. How will I now walk in what I just read? What will I do with Jesus' words? Uh, in the parable of the builders, for example, in Luke chapter 6, whoa, Jesus says, now why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Ouch. Ouch. Ouch, ouch. Lord, help. Ouch. So we read the parables meditatively to take us to the Lord's presence and become taught of him, just like the disciples were at Jesus' feet, so that we might have a greater communion with him, a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God, to what we are called eventually to be converted to. Uh, let's bridge here into communion right now. Um, You know, Jesus tells us uh, to do this in remembrance of him. Well, I know we're remembering his uh, death, uh, burial, and resurrection. Got that, 100%. But to do this in remembrance of him. Jesus is making a covenant with us. And one aspect of making a covenant, if you don't have communions, just put your hand up and the ushers will get to you. If you didn't get one. There you go. Don't forget to say thank you. It's the magic word. Okay. Oh, over here. Communion folks. Whoa, a whole bunch back here. You must have came in late. Oh. I didn't mean that to be rude. I'm sorry. Over here, communion folks. Over here up front. You were probably so good looking, they just, I was like, wow. And they walked right past them. and They were just amazed. Right over here. Now it happens. Some folks come in late and they miss the communion, but... So, okay, but why are they all sitting there? I don't get that far. Oh, well, never mind. All right, everybody got that? Great. Okay, so, you know, Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of him. I need to remember his words. I think that's part here of what this communion covenant is about. I remember his words. I'm doing this in remembrance of him. So today, um, I'd like you to do something just very personal between you and the Lord about things I've been saying today. What have you been converted to? If there are folks here that have not found Christ as their Savior, please don't leave here today without doing that. There's people that would be happy to pray with you today at the front of the altar. Even if you don't understand what I'm talking about, let them talk to you about it. It's okay to say, I'm not sure I get this. That's all right. That's a legitimate question. That should be a logical question. Hey, the lay would like to tell you. Have you found Christ as your Savior, but never yet been committed to the Lord's church? I would encourage you today in your communion time to make that commitment to the Lord that you are converting today to his church and then let him lead you where that is. Have you been converted to the Lord's church but you really don't care what happens outside it? You're being honest. You need to be converted to the kingdom of God. Why do these people do mission work and everything? You need to be converted to the kingdom of God. Now, as I had said, Pastor Walt definitely had a kingdom of God mindset. But as a church, you know, we didn't really get converted, I think, to mission thinking until Pastor Jim came. Because he came from a church in 2001, I think, that had a strong mission emphasis. And we, when he came here, 
I remember we kind of noticed we're lacking this. I mean, Gary Panapinto noticed it. Walter Hilly noticed it. I didn't. Dull. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we need a better mission emphasis. And he brought that to us. He brought that spirit with him. And we became even a more kingdom-minded church. And hopefully we're going to stay that way. Uh, so, yeah, that's normal. We have to progress. Have you been kingdom-minded yet? Do you really cares? care what happens outside the walls of these church? Eight walls, the eight side of the building. Do you really care? If you don't, hey, just be honest. I really don't. Ask the Lord to make you care. He will. He'll give you a care for it, a good care, where you're now a kingdom-minded person. Your eyes become uh, enlightened. The church and the kingdom of God are not the same. In this church age we live in, this age of grace, God's government, it is about the kingdom of God all through the centuries. We're now in the church age, that age of God's government that is the kingdom of God. I want to see God's kingdom manifest in my days. If you're not there yet, not a problem. That's why we pray. As we have communion today, between you and the Lord, just make that decision. Lord, I'm willing to be kingdom-minded today. And you know, you can jump from church to kingdom all in the same day. It's okay. I was just talking to one brother in the Lord, or sitting on this side here in the first service. He said that'll happen to him in one day. He was born again, knew the Lord, but then one day somehow all two clicked simultaneously. And he didn't know the words of it at the time. Today, what I'm saying kind of put words to it. But he said, yeah, that happened to me all in one day. Where he jumped from just, I'm a believer to, I'm, I want the Lord's church in my life. I want the kingdom of God. All happened in one day to him. It can happen. So let's seek the Lord today. Just in a few moments here between the Lord and you. Finding out where you're at. And out of your own words of commitment here in your own way. Just, uh, just mention to the Lord that you're remembering him today at this communion and you're converting where you have to move on and that you would be used of him in your generation. Thank you, Lord. Crystallize this for us, Father. We understand this. We would walk here, leave here different than when we first came in. As Father God, we would walk away as kingdom people. Please partake of your communion today. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we're in Christ. We have a covenant with the living God because of Jesus. Change us, Lord God. Convert us, Lord God. Lord God, may our days ahead be different than they are today as we move on. On the back of your handout there that you have, it says next steps. It just says exactly that. Hope you leave today, read this, think about this. Where have you been converted to? To Christ, the Lord's church, the kingdom of God. May we all be kingdom people. May we all be known that if we were ever on trial one day or accused of being Christians, there would be enough evidence to convict us. That the judge would say, you're, you're guilty of being part of the kingdom of God. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, you bless me. Thank you. That's what we need to hear, that we can be accused of being kingdom people.
Father God, we just ask you today to touch all these folks, Father, in a great and mighty way as they leave here today, Father God. Lord, that they would walk in a new awareness, Lord, a new enlightenment, Father, in them, uh, that they are about the king's business. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.